Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Sabbath School podcast. My name is Courtney Tyler and I am here with Leah Hodge. Yeah, we're actually at Big Camp at the moment, which is really exciting. Just sharing a podcast with you on this week's lesson, which is the second quarter. It's lesson number three called All Future Generations. So before we go any further, I think we'll just open with a prayer. Maybe Leah, if you'd like to pray for us. Love to. Heavenly Father, just want to pray that your Holy Spirit will guide us as we study um, this lesson, that you will show us your truth, Lord, that we may learn things that we can apply to our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this week, we're just going to follow through the flow of the main themes in the lesson, and we'll bring out some points as we go, and yeah, we just pray it will be a blessing to you. So basically, the lesson starts by establishing the sin problem that we see, and this is the story of Noah. This is what's happening at this point in Earth's history is that the wickedness of man, um, Genesis 6, 5 says that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So it's come to a pretty bad position, right? We've gone from Adam where it was perfect to the fall and the lesson actually outlines a number of verses which show, I guess, the degeneration of humanity and the sin that's just getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how like the first sin was eating a piece of fruit. Yeah. And we know it was more than that. It was distrusting God's word. But then very quickly, it just like goes to like murder, yeah. basically, when Cain and Abel. Yeah. But yeah, it's just crazy how quickly it went from perfection to sin totally. and how it just changed so rapidly. I was yeah. just like, wow, it's quite... Um, it's quite bad. Confronting, hey, mm. really. And yeah, that goes on and on until we get to the point where we have this situation with the antediluvian world, um, the people that lived before the flood. And what do we know about them, Leah? What do you know about those people? Well, the Bible doesn't say much about them. Yeah. What they do say is that they were people who were pretty evil. Mm. Um, and well, we said, we read a verse that says they were only their thoughts were evil continually um but yeah they they lived in a like the world was obviously before the flood so they lived in a very beautiful world Mm. um but they lived very long (laughs) yeah and so they had time to you know perfect the art of sin perfect the art of sin yeah and wow like think of living 900 years with this sin problem and lust and greed and all this stuff it just you know what we behold we become changed into so it would have been just every generation getting worse and getting worse and getting worse yeah totally and there's a quote from um Ellen White, where she talks about in Patriarchs and Prophets that they were fixing their affections upon the gifts instead of the giver. And so they're strong, they're intelligent, they were creative, they're just so much more than what we are today after thousands of years of sin. And they live so much longer. And you can imagine just some of the things that they possibly got up to with that long to live and that level of intelligence and ability. Yeah. Um, And so there's a real problem. And I guess another problem we see from the text is in in Genesis 6, verse 1 and 2, which says that they... um, they intermarried, I guess, with the God's people intermarried with Cain's descendants. Yeah, people who didn't believe. Yeah. So you've got, you've got unequally yoked relationships. Big problem. Yeah. Compromise, yeah. Um, which is just, you know, the degeneration of like the family and how that affects society mm. is, yeah, it would have been real, real bad. Yeah. Yeah. And so sin is multiplying. It's not being satisfied. And ultimately we know that sin leads to ruin and to death. And so... There's a quote out of a book called Our Creator Redeemer um, talking about this. And basically the author says, those that God had created in his own image have become so unlike him. That's basically the climax point that we reach at the point where God decides he has to step in and do something. It's so sad how, you know, created in his own image and then they become so unlike him that God's like, I have to do something. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. and then I'm really fine at sale where it says that he was sorry that he made men. Yeah. He was grieved, like it grieved his heart. Yeah. That, that humanity had come to this point. And so, like you said, God has to step in. And I just want to make the point really clearly that if God hadn't stepped in, Messiah, like Jesus could not have come. The messianic line couldn't have continued. Um, and so God has to step in in order to save humanity. He has to do something at this point or well, or else we would self-destruct. And I love that because this is the whole idea of the covenant coming through. Yeah. It's like that promise that he made. He's like, okay, I've got to do something because I want to save these people. I want to save this world. Yeah. And so I'm going to keep my promises. Yeah. And because I am faithful to my promise, I have to do something. Yeah, exactly. And so the other thing that really stands out to me from this story and also any other time that God commits... Um, to having to judge, you see that he investigates first. And this is a theme that as Seventh-day Adventists, we wholeheartedly say amen to, we agree with, that God first investigates and then judges. But every time he does, he always provides a way of escape as well. And so you see this in the text. You see this in Genesis 6, verse 5 and verse 12. Um, Verse 6 says that the Lord saw the wickedness of man. And so he's looking, he's seeing. And then later on in verse 12, it says that he looked upon the earth. And so he's investigating And then reaches the point where he decides, as we've read in verse 7 of the same chapter, that I will have to destroy man. Um, And so, but first he investigates. Mm. And then he makes the decision, yes, I need to do this. But with that decision also comes this way of escape, which you see in multiple times here in Genesis 6 and 7. But in chapter 7, where it says that the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And not only for his family, we see that God sends him to preach. And we're going to get to that point later. But I guess the, the take-home message from this is God investigates before he judges. Yes, he is a judge, and that is good news because sin needs to be dealt with and justice needs to happen. But he investigates, he judges, but with that judgment comes a way of escape. Yeah, it's a God of justice, transparency, love. Um, he just His character is revealed through judgment. And people yeah. think judgment is a bad thing, but it's actually a good thing. Because yeah. if, if he didn't do that, well, where would we be? Totally. Yeah. Totally. And so we see that he wants to get rid of sin, but mm. he wants to save sinners. Amen. And this is what the covenant is all about. Hallelujah. Yes. And so as we continue through, we, we find... The passage of scripture in Genesis 6 gets to chapter 6, verse 8 and 9. Maybe do you want to read them for us, Leah? Love to. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Yeah. There's so much here that we can unpack. Um, This is actually the first time the word grace occurs in scripture, and and that's really exciting. Um, It it comes... When the word grace comes, it's when he's coming to save, Mm. Um, not by any merit in Moses, Mm. because grace is, we know, um, you can't earn it. It's unmerited. Um, But yeah, I love it how, like, if you follow the word grace throughout the Bible, you always see, like, the next time it's used is actually in the story of Lot, Mm. and where Lot is found grace because he sends the angels to, you know, warn them, warn him. So it's always about redemption, grace. It's so It's so beautiful. It's beautiful. And the other thing that stood out to me is just really simple. Sometimes when we read the text, we miss it. It's just literally how the text starts, but Noah. You know, it's all bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, but Noah. And again, not because of what Noah did, but because of what God is doing through him in his life and his willingness for God to work. And I just was thinking about, imagine if it could be said of us, you know, it said, but Noah, but imagine if it could be, but Leah, you know, but what is your name? You know, put your name in the blank. Um, What would that mean for our sphere of influence if it could be Mm. said of us, but me? Yes. 
That's so beautiful because, you know, if Noah wasn't walking with God, if Noah wasn't, you know, obedient and, and loving God and following him, mm. where would have, how would have the ark been built? Like how would have there been this, you know, um, salvation for, for the world? Th- because we know, as you said before, the Messiah had to come. Mm. And, um, yeah, I hope that we, we can all be those but Leah, but Courtney's um, because Noah saved his family. Mm. And he had influence on um, other people were, uh, were saved as well, but they died before the flood. Yeah. Um, but we have, you know, our family, our friends around us, and they are watching and they are seeing. And it says that he walked with God. Um, and that was part of, you know, his character. Mm. Um, it was transformed. And he it says he was a just man. He was a righteous man. Yeah. And we know that there's no one righteous, but because he was having faith in God, you know. Christ in us is the hope Christ of glory. is in him. Yeah. And that's what made him righteous. Yeah. And you think about the timing of this. Enoch would have lived less than 100 years before Noah. And so in their oral tradition, he would have heard the stories of, of this Enoch who walked with God until he walked home one day to heaven. And Mm -hmm. you can just imagine the impact of hearing, you know, that story passed down to him as an inspiration. And so, you know, God has also provided inspiration in his life to be different, to be countercultural at at that point when someone needed to stand for what was right. It would have been radical, really, for Manoah to build this ark when it never rained. Mm. It was definitely going against all logic, all reason. Yeah. 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 And the amazing thing with this story, with so many others in scripture as well, is the parallels. You know, there's this time in Noah's story and in Earth's history, but the parallel is to us today. And it makes me think of the passage in Matthew 24, and we won't read all of it, but it says in verse 37 that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. And so I would love to just maybe now, Leah, we can talk about some of the parallels between Noah's day and and us today. Well... There was lots of wickedness happening, yeah. Yeah. lots of evil happening, lots yeah. of sin happening, yeah. lots of unbelief happening yeah. in God and yeah. him as our creator. Um, and But there was this one person, well, we only know, uh, we don't know, you know, he was saved his family, mm. but he had this faith. So there was contrast in between unbelief and faith yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly, which is what we see. And we're going to explore a little bit later this idea of a remnant but the remnant or the people remaining who survived were people of faith and trust which is what you've just said and another thing that stands out to me is in second peter chapter 2 verse 5 it tells us that noah was a preacher of righteousness we know he preached for around 120 years um faithfully like he would have looked like a crazy man look like a lunatic to those people a fanatic yeah yeah like, what are you doing, Noah? It doesn't even rain anyway. What are we talking about? Right. Why are you building this thing called a boat? The world's not ending. We have so much. So he had a message yeah. for a particular time mm-hmm. that God had given him. A present truth message. Present truth for that time. Yeah. And do we have a present truth message? Yes, we do. Yes. We know we do. Revelation. Revelation 14, three angels' messages. Just like Noah had to prepare, was tasked to prepare his people for what was to come. Um, that's us today. We're telling people to get in the ark when yeah. we preach the three angels because yeah. we know what's coming, right? Yeah. We want to warn the world that there is a serious thing coming. Yeah. And um, we want to say there is safety. And yeah. when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, yeah. um, we have a great responsibility to do. Yeah. We yeah. want to be like Noah. Yes, we can take so much encouragement from Noah's story that he, through God's strength, remained faithful to preach that message to the end, even when people disregarded or ridiculed, you know, ridiculed. humiliated. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and he just followed God faithfully. There's this, I guess, pattern we see throughout Genesis 6 and 7 where a number of times, you know, God gives the dimensions for the ark um, and it's recorded in chapter 6 and 7 that Noah did according to all that God commanded him. It's mentioned a couple of times that he did that. And it makes me think of the verse in Revelation 14 that says that there will be a people who follow the lamb wherever he goes. And so there's this parallel thing happening. and Yeah, and they keep the commandments of yeah. God. So they follow every particular that God has um, laid out in his word, mm. just like Noah did with all the dimensions, that he followed the pattern. Mm. And we got to follow the pattern. Yeah. Yeah, we have a pattern to follow. And it makes me think of something that Blair Lemke says, our friend Blair, um, obedience is not why God blesses us, but how God blesses us. Because Noah, in following God faithfully, in God's strength, was able to build an ark. And that was the thing in which he received salvation. And it just makes you think about the fact that God isn't like, oh, good on you. Now I can reward you. You were obedient. It's not like that. He literally says, hey, follow me because through following me, you will gain a blessing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the way out. I'm yeah. giving you. My way is the way of life. Yeah. Like Jesus came into the world and he said, I am the light of the world and the light is the life of men. Yes. So his life, his righteous life is our life. Like if we don't have that, we don't have life. Totally. Totally. And so I want to just read this quote from the Adventist Bible commentary. And then we might move on and talk about the covenant. But it says this about Noah. To live an exemplary life in Noah's time required a man who could stand fearlessly and steadfastly against evil inducements, subtle temptations, and vile mockery. He was no weakling, void of judgment or willpower. He was a man, strong of conviction, straight in thinking and action. And that's on page 252 of the first Seventh-day Adventist Bible commentary. And so what an example to us um, to be able to live like that in that time and for us to know that we are the knowers of our day. What a challenge. Mm. We need to, yeah, step up, I think. I know I do. I want to follow like in, in his footsteps. Yeah, such an inspiration to us. And so the text moves on, I guess. The flood is coming and we see in Genesis 6 verse 18, maybe Leah, if you want to read that for us, that God says this. But... With thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Yeah, yeah. Covenant comes up here. And mm. I love that it says my covenant. It's not like the covenant or a covenant. It's God owning it and God initiating it. Let's be honest. We've got nothing to offer. Yeah. yeah. Like what could we bring? Yeah. All we've done is make mistakes. What's that? Oh, Ellen White quote says, our promises like ropes of sand. Yeah. So if we make a covenant, we, we broke it and we clearly did through the yeah. whole Bible. Yeah. God's covenant though. Yes. He initiates to save us. And this is actually the first time that this word covenant is used. But the word established here gives us the hint that although this is the first time covenant is used in scripture, establishing is basically saying that God's maintaining a commitment that he already pledged earlier which was through Adam and yeah. Abraham and, you know, all the way through to this point, which is based on what text in scripture? Well, there are a lot of them. I actually, one that just popped into yeah. my head, which is not one that you just yeah. mentioned, but where it says in Revelation, where it says that like Jesus was the lamb slain from the, the foundation, foundation of the world. world. So even before Adam had sinned, there was the promise that yes. we would have a, like a deliverer. Yes. But Genesis 3.15 yeah. is the obvious one where he said, I'm going to, you know, crush the serpent's head. Yes. And that was the you know promise of Jesus. But yeah, it was before even Genesis 3.15, mm. there was a the plan. Oh, it's yeah. beautiful. Such a beautiful thought to think about. And so, yeah, he establishes his covenant, which is really God taking responsibility for our actions, which is heavy when you stop to think about that. Like a God who has done nothing wrong then has to 
take responsibility for the actions. It goes against our carnal heart because we never want to take responsibility for something that we don't think we did. And even when we do do something wrong, we still don't want to take responsibility. We go self-justify, blame, just like Adam and Eve. So it's such his character, like his humility to take responsibility for something is beautiful. It's Uh, It's grace. It's so good. Yeah, what a promise to us. And so not only does he give the covenant that he will be faithful, because really that's what covenant is about. Um, Establish my covenant with you. If you hop in the ark, you're safe. Um, And there's more to this covenant we're going to unpack as we continue, because not only does he give the promise, but he gives a tangible sign to this promise. And it's an assurance. Um, And that promise is the covenant. And the sign is the rainbow. Because... God is not saying, I'm going to wipe you all out. I'm going to continue the human race because Messiah has to come. Mm. And he also, you think about what it would have been like to survive the flood. There would have been fear every time it rained. There could have been anyway, because rain had meant this horrible flood. That's right. Because like before that, it had never rained. So if it rains again, you're like, oh, is it going to flood again? And so he quiets men's fears and reminds them that the rain is actually a blessing um, and not necessarily destruction. And the rainbow is a sign of that. But it's also so much more. Um, And so the passage that talks about this rainbow covenant connection is actually found in Genesis chapter 9. So the flood happens. Noah's family is safe. Genesis chapter 9 arrives and he talks about covenant again. And so maybe in Genesis 9, if we could read, it's actually a bit of a chunk of scripture, but I think it's important to read it. So maybe from verse 8 to 17, if you want to read some verses, Leah, and I'm happy to read some too. And God spoke unto Noah and his sons with him saying, and behold, I will establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you and with every living creature that is with you of the fowl of the cattle of every beast of the earth with you from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Mm. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the token of the covenant, which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for a perpetual generations, for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. It shall be that when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh the rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth and God said to Noah this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth such a beautiful promise it is. And he didn't have to do that. Yeah. Like he didn't have to put a rainbow in the sky to show us anything like, and he does that and he gives us more like evidence, I guess, or mm. more um, ability to have faith. Every time you see a rainbow, you'd be reminded of this promise and he's yeah. faithful. Yeah. That yeah. this just shows his faithfulness. Yes, exactly. And really it's all about that. There's no specific obligation in this covenant for Noah to keep. It's, Hey, I'm putting this rainbow in the sky so that you will know that I'll never do this again. I am faithful. That's it. That's it. All you have to do is believe Believe what I said. And when you see it, believe it. Believe the promise. And I love how you said that. It's just about God's faithfulness. And it's not just God's faithfulness to Noah. It says to all generations. And And that includes us. Yeah, you and me. And that's where the title of this lesson comes from. All future generations. This is the promise that God is faithful. And I just wanted to share a personal story here if I can. I was telling Leah this earlier because when I opened up um, the lesson that I had been given to to share on, I realized, wow, like God, um, 
there's no coincidence here because rainbow is actually uh, a very special thing to me personally in my own walk with God. And so God says he's faithful to everyone, but I just want to share how he's been faithful to me. And basically at my baptism, which was almost 10 years ago now, I, I looked up at one point and saw that there was a rainbow um, that had come out in the corner of the sky. And I noted that and just thought it was special. But since then, in my journey with God, through all sorts of ups and downs and highs and lows and, you know, times when, um, you know, I, I share, shared with Leah as a Bible worker, I would be discouraged um, on the doors or having a personal struggle in my, in my own walk or in my family or with relationships. And there have just been so many times when I've been at a low point, when I've looked up into the sky and seen a rainbow. And it's just been this sign to me personally. Um, at times when I need it most, God will give me a physical rainbow, just to remind me, as I'm faithful to Noah, so I'm faithful to you, my promises for all generations. But today I'm telling you that I'm faithful, I'm creator, I'm in control. That's powerful. Yeah. That's so cool because the Bible is is for person, individuals. Yeah. Promises are for everyone. Yeah. Um, and for the single person. Yeah. So God died, Jesus died for the world, but he died for you. Yes. And so I love that, that you have that like little, I don't know, inside, not inside joke, but you know those yeah, inside things that you have special. with God? Like that yeah. it's just you and God, you know that, that he's talking to you. Yeah. yeah. The way he communicates with me at times when I need it the most. I'm with you, I've got you, I'm faithful. Mm. And that we can all remember that. Like next time you see a rainbow, you can remember that. Like God is saying to you, I'm faithful. It's not just a pretty thing in the sky. It's God's reminder of his faithfulness to you and take heart that it's probably not a coincidence that you saw that at that time. He's trying to communicate something to you. And so Leah and I were also talking earlier, like where else do we see in scripture that rainbows feature? And I love that we both had studied this individually and we're going to share it. So So there is this vision that Ezekiel has Mm. um, and let's go there because Ezekiel saw a rainbow as well as he was like open up to see God. And so it's actually... This was pre like the rainbow of the the flood of the covenant promise, actually, Um, because it was somewhere. um, Do you want to read that for us in Ezekiel Ezekiel 1 1, verse 28? Yeah, I'm just getting there myself. Ezekiel chapter 1, and it's all about this vision of God that he sees in chapter 1 and then into chapter 2. And Ezekiel 1 28 says this. I'm just finding it. Here it is. Like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And so when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of one speaking. Yes. And if you go from verse 26, even, it talks about what it looked like. Um, Well, you don't have to read that, but if you guys want to read that in your own time from 26, 27 and 28, it talks about, yeah, this bow or the rainbow um, and it goes through all the colors and whatnot. But then we have another verse Mm. in Revelation, which says similar things. So what's the glory of God? His character. Right. So I think we should read Revelation as well. Yeah, Revelation 4 is where we find this passage. And these are just a couple. I think there's more because I haven't finished my study on rainbows. I'm really, in my personal time, just interested in this now after looking at this lesson. But Revelation 4, and we see it in verse 3. So maybe if you want to read that for us, Leah. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne mm. in the sight like unto an emerald. And then it continues to go on about like beasts and other things. But we see that around the throne, this is the throne room, is the rainbow. And this is what Ezekiel saw. He saw the glory of God. So we have this connection here between the rainbow and the glory of God. Yeah. 
Amazing. So the rainbow is a symbol of his character. Yeah, which is what he puts in the sky for us to be What's, reminded of. Exactly. Yep. So before the rainbow in the sky, there's a rainbow around the throne, which is eternal. It's been there forever. Yes. So we have this foundational principle like of that beautiful rainbow is a symbol of God's character, his faithfulness, mm. his his righteousness, his everything. Yeah, yeah. And Ezekiel here, probably as he's hearing from God in this vision, would have been discouraged because of the disaster that was going to come. That's what's getting revealed to him. The outlook wasn't great, but the prophet is being reminded that God is a God who thinks thoughts of peace and not of evil towards his people, which is his character, right? This is all how it's tying in. And so God's glory is being revealed to him. And so there's just a few quotes from, some from the Bible commentary, and then I think there's one from Review and Herald from Ellen White a bit later. But basically, she um, says some beautiful things. In the Bible commentary on page 579 of volume 4, so talking about Ezekiel here, this passage, it says, The rainbow encircling the throne of God is our assurance of his eternal love. The throne arced with the rainbow of promise is the righteousness of Christ. The rainbow encircling the throne represents the combined power of mercy and justice. It is a token of the mercy of God towards the repentant sinner. And so in Review and Herald, um, and this is December 13, 1892, she says this, As the bow in the cloud is formed by the union of the sunlight and the shower, so the rainbow encircling the throne represents the combined power of mercy and justice. It is the mingling of judgment and mercy that makes salvation complete. I love it how God uses nature all the time to reveal things about himself. Yeah. Like the the sun, we know, is, it provides um, life to us, healing, you know, vitamin D, all these great things. And the sun of righteousness mm-hmm. provides healing to us and health to us and life to us. And then the rainbow, like he just uses all these things to help us to like understand him. Yeah, so many parallels. Yeah. Right? So beautiful. There's one more quote I wanted to share, which is also from Review and Herald the same one from December 13, 1892. And she says this, and bear with me because it's a paragraph, but I just feel like I need to share it because it makes it practical to us. The rainbow above the throne is the bow of promise, testifying to the whole world that God will never forget his people in their struggle against evil. Let Jesus be our theme. Temptations will come in like a flood, but we need not fail nor be discouraged while we know that the bow of promise is above the throne of God. We shall be subject to heavy trials, opposition, bereavement, affliction, But we know that Jesus passed through all these. These experiences are valuable to us. The advantages of varying experiences are not by any means confined to this short life. They reach into eternal ages. Through patience, faith and hope in all the changing scenes of earth, we are forming characters for the everlasting life. And whatever we are called upon to bear, we may be assured that all things work together for good to those that love God. So it's just a practical reminder to us that when we are facing things that are difficult, because we do in this life, that we may know that there is a rainbow around the throne of God that tells us that his character is good, that Jesus has gone before us and that we can take hold of that rainbow of promise um, and know that his faithfulness is not just in heaven, but but he's given it to us. Yeah, we need to trust in his goodness, in his word. Yeah, yeah. And then the lesson ends on a really beautiful theme which ties into where we were before and it's this remnant theme. And so, again, we're going back to this end time significance that this story has for us. And we see that the remnant of the flood, the people that remained that were saved through the flood, to them was the rainbow revealed. And this parallels to the remnant or the people that will remain at the end. God's people who are saved, um, who are faithful only because of Christ's faithfulness to us, faithfulness to us, but who are saved, they also see a rainbow revealed. And that rainbow is the one that is in the throne room of God. 
And so there's this amazing parallel um, of remnant in the flood, rainbow revealed, and then the remnant at the end, the rainbow is revealed um, through the throne of God. And also in Revelation 18 verse 1, I'm just thinking of this now, mm. that the light, the, the world will be lighted with the glory of God, which we know that the rainbow was, just, it said that it was, it was glory yeah. as well. So the world's going to be revealed the character of God through mm. this remnant people, yes. through yes. the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So that's really, that's something that we can be a part of. Yes. It's very exciting. Yeah, this is us, right? And we know that from Revelation 12, 17 as well. It says that there will be a dragon who's enraged with a woman and will make war with the rest of her offspring, which is the remnant, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, we have a role to play simply to be vessels, really, to let God's glory be seen through us. Um, and that's the hardest battle, isn't it? The, yeah. the dying of self daily. Yeah. That, so he can be revealed. Yeah. So it's not me. No one wants to see Leah. No. They want to see Jesus yes. in me. Amen. And so it's a reminder to us that we can't do this alone. We have to have Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's Colossians 1.27. So that we may be found faithful, so that we can be countercultural like Noah was and be different from the world that is around us. Because just like in Noah's day, um, there needs to be a but Noah, a but Leah, but Courtney, a but you um, to stand against what is happening in the world around you, um, that God can be using you as a vessel to show his love, his character, his faithfulness. And so that really is our challenge to you um, as we've listened to this story today, as we've studied the lesson together this week, and perhaps you're a Sabbath school teacher who will share the lesson this week. Um, I really want to encourage you to give this challenge to your Sabbath school class as well. Um, and that would be that as people who follow Jesus, um, may we think about the people in our spheres of influence um, because we have a message to share. It's an end time message of God's faithfulness, of his character, of the fact that there is something coming that we need to be ready for. And the most loving thing we can do is to share that message so that other people can know there's an ark to that's be saved. That's right. Do we believe it? Yeah. Because he be Noah believed. Yes. And that's, what he, that's why he started getting the wood and the hammers and the, he started building. Yeah. There, every blow on that was like a rebuke to those who mm. weren't coming. There was yeah. a preaching. It was actually his actions that were preaching as well yes. to say something's coming. So our life, not just what we say, yes. but what we, how we live is going to be um, a testimony to the fact that we believe Jesus is coming soon and we have a very, very, very special message for the world. And that doesn't make us proud. No. It makes us humble. Responsible. Yeah, responsible yeah. as well yeah. um, because we don't, we're not any better than anyone. No. But God is going to use those who will be, yeah, will follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Mm. And so, yeah, I guess our challenge to us to be really practical is, Let's pray for someone to share this with this week. Like let's ask God for a divine appointment, a divine opportunity to put someone on our heart that we can actually say, hey, can I tell you about my Jesus? Can I tell you about what's coming? Because I just want you to be saved. And yeah, we can just learn, I guess, from the story of Noah and be reminded of the faithfulness of God, of his covenant to us, that we get the privilege to actually share that with others. That's the whole reason why there is a covenant. And so let's be the ones to tell all future generations that there is a Jesus who loves us, who's coming and who's faithful to us. So yeah, we pray you have a blessed week and we'll see you again next time on the Sabbath School Podcast.